remind you uh, that uh, we've, children, you may be dismissed, sorry, thank you, Sarah, that uh, we are taking a special uh, love offering for uh, JV. He was such a blessing to us uh, this summer, and uh, if you would just indicate on an offering envelope or if you give online, you can also put that in the memo that every dollar that comes in for him is going to go straight to his uh, school bill. And so uh, if the Lord used him in your life, he's for sure uh, was used in my life, but I believe he was a blessing to you also uh, this summer. And uh, you'd like to uh, be generous towards him. Uh, it'll go to his school bill. And I know that he will appreciate that. Well, we're continuing our series, uh, the uh, study here on the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter number five. So if you would turn there, Matthew chapter number five, and we're on our uh, second week of the fifth beatitude here, uh, which is mercy, uh, but I've entitled the message, and you're going to see why here in a moment, cultivating forgiveness. And I'll just tell you that this week I've probably spent 20 hours or so on this message alone, I've, I've written it, I've rewritten it, I've worked on it again. I'm like, no, I don't like what that said. I've learned something um, fairly, it's at least been impactful to my life uh, this week and uh, something new that I didn't necessarily uh, know about forgiveness. And uh, I pray that you will have a receptive heart uh, to, the, uh, to the truth of, uh, of just the, the text. But I'm really praying that God will use this in our lives uh, this week. And I believe that God can do a great work. Matthew chapter five, verse number seven, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. So we're looking at today the, the subject of forgiveness. To forgive a person who has hurt you deeply may be the greatest challenge that we will ever face but it's also the greatest gift that you can ever give in a sense that you can ever extend to someone else. So we began last week of looking at this fifth beatitude. We looked at, we looked at what it means. And today we're beginning to answer the question of how. How can I become a more merciful person. If you remember uh, last week, we talked about how this mercy is a, it's a compassion that comes into the heart that extends out to the hands. It's being moved to compassion that ultimately leads to action. And Christ and God is, has compassion towards us. And it moved, of course, to Christ coming and and dying for our salvation. And so how do, we, how do we become more of a merciful person? How can I become more of a forgiving person? How can I cultivate more of this good fruit? We've, ex we've now gotten into the, the fruit portion of this study. We looked at the roots of just kind of that, that walk with God and, and just that brokenness before the Lord of humbling, humbling ourselves before God, coming before Him empty-handed, being poor in spirit, mourning over our sin, submitting to His will, began to sprout up that godly life of hungering and thirsting for Him. And now we're embarking on this fruit. So how do I, how do I cultivate this one? This mercy, this, this forgiveness. 
I don't believe I've ever met somebody that wouldn't down deep inside want to forgive others. Maybe no matter what's gone on in their life, if you, kinda, if you were to boil it down to maybe, maybe they can't forgive them, maybe they can't move beyond something, as we talked about last week where how we said love covers a multitude of sins and how we said we're not talking about crimes, we're not trying to cover up crimes or anything like that. And we talked about, even in a sense, the high standard that we have here uh, at Redwood and even the training that we go through. But when you talk to them, they, they want to be able to forgive. So all of us know something about struggling to forgive. Now I'm going to use the word forgiveness today, and it's important to understand the relationship between forgiveness and mercy. See, mercy is broader than forgiveness. Forgiveness goes further than mercy. So when you think about mercy, it's, it's much broader than the topic of forgiveness. The Good Samaritan that we learned about last week, which was a, a story that Jesus was telling to teach about mercy, he had he hadn't, he hadn't no, no, nothing to forgive for the man that was in the streets, that was lying in the road. The wounded man had not wronged the Samaritan in any way. So mercy, as we learned last week, the, the, it's, it's this compassion that flows out into your life. It's broader than forgiveness. But forgiveness, it, it, goes, it goes further than mercy does. Suppose someone hurts you. Suppose they, they wrong you, harm you in some way. To be merciful means that you would have compassion on them. You have a, you have a tender heart towards that person. Rather than return harm to them, you're going to, you're going to give them good. Uh, even uh, in Romans 12, it says, don't repay evil with evil, but overcome evil with good in Romans 12. So that is mercy. Forgiveness arises and goes further than mercy. And so that's why you're going you're gonna to hear me use more of a forgiveness today, hence even the title here. It goes further because it involves restoration in relationships. So mercy, which we learned last week, what Jesus is teaching paves the path for us to forgive. Many people struggle with forgiveness. If a great wrong has been done to you, it is so severe that it seems to you that forgiveness is impossible, that it's this mountain that, that you can't possibly climb. You might find yourself thinking or saying things that, hey, hey, Ryan, forgiveness sounds wonderful, but I have no idea how to get there. And that's what this message today is about. Spent many, many more hours than I would maybe normally do on a, on a Sunday morning message. I reworked it over and over again. Even I had some fellowship yesterday with some believers, and my heart was just working that even last night, which is definitely not my rhythm of working on sermons on a Saturday night. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm just going over them over and over again in my mind and back, back in the room. 
but I was actually rewriting and working through things last night because of what God has done. And so today is this pathway of how can I get to the point where I can ultimately forgive someone? I want to show you from the Bible this path that leads to forgiveness. Follow mercy and you will get to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a fruit of the life of Christ who forgives. It's the fruit. We're we're in this fruit portion here. It's the fruit of Christ in you who forgives. He's a forgiving Savior. And so when we read our text here, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Someone might say it sounds like Forgiving other people is a means to an end. In other words, I'm going to forgive so I can be forgiven. If Jesus says, if we forgive others, God will forgive us. If if that's what he's saying, then God's forgiveness is somehow a reward for something that we've done. And it is no reward. It's nothing that we have done. It cannot be because God gives forgiveness It's extended freely. It's nothing that we can give. It's something that we simply have to accept. And so remember, the the Beatitudes, they're not telling you how to become a Christian. They're exposing what a Christian is. Christ is always going to be the avenue to become a Christian. It's what He has done. It's not what we have done. We accept His, His doing on our behalf. What the Beatitudes are, and I've said this multiple times in this series, it's like a mirror where we look into it and we hopefully we're seeing this fruit, hopefully we're seeing this life inside of us. It's a, it's a, it's a map, excuse me, it's not a map on how to get to heaven. It's a mirror of showing you that you're on your way to heaven. Forgiven people are known by the way they forgive. Did you catch that? So again, we don't, we don't forgive to become a Christian. Christians are known. They've been forgiven by the way that they forgive. This is a distinguishing mark of all who are in Christ, which is why the Lord, when He's teaching us how to pray in the model prayer in, in Matthew 6.10, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I want you to think with me for a moment of how and when. This is what God just kind of illuminated for me this week kind of turn the lights on. I want you to think about this morning of the how and the when that God forgives. So let me just take you through this journey here real quick. God forgives when wrong has been done, when repentance begins, because atonement has been made. So let's go slowly through that. God forgives when wrong has been done. So if I were to say to you this morning, I forgive you, most of your responses would be, for what? what, 
Why, why are you forgiving me, Ryan? I've, I've done nothing wrong to you. There's, there's nothing that needs to be forgiven. Forgiveness, hear me, is only appropriate. It's only meaningful when wrong has been done. So when God forgives us, and He has, it means that we have wronged Him. Every sin in your life and mine is a personal offense against God. There are many places where it talks about that, but especially in Psalm 51, when David is confessing his sin before the Lord, his sin was against um, you know, Bathsheba right, and, and, and her husband. But ultimately he's saying, no, my sin's against you and you alone. David says. So he understood that it's all a personal offense against God. Saul of Tarsus, he was on a campaign of, of hurting and really even killing Christians. And he sees the, the risen Christ on the, the road to Damascus. And what does the risen Christ say to him? Why are you persecuting me? Jesus is saying to, to Saul, who we know as Paul now, why are you persecuting me? Where Saul was actually persecuting Christians, if you look at the, 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 the realness of the sense. Lewis Smead says in his book, The Art of Forgiving, forgiveness always comes with blame attached. Always. So forgiveness can only happen when a wrong has been done. So, the, so, so we're trying to answer this of, of the how and the, the when God forgives. We all have wronged God. And we all can thank him this morning that he forgives. But let me, let's take it a little bit further. So God forgives where wrong has been done when repentance begins. The story of the prodigal son makes this clear. The son goes off on his journey in just the, the, the rebellious way of living. And finally, he comes to his senses, right? He comes to the senses of where he's at. I've done wrong. And what does he say? I'm going to go back to the father. I've got to, I've got to rise of this and I'm going to go to my father. The boy has this change of heart and a change of direction. He begins his long journey home. He's realizing this is not where I should be. I'm a child of my father or the child of the king, like we just sang. And I said, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be living and eating with pigs. I, was, uh, I had an amazing uh, relationship with my father in a situation. So he goes back to his father, realizes that he's not expecting much. You know the story in Luke 15. He rehearses this whole thing in his mind of how he's going to come and he's going to talk to his father. And he's like, hey, can I, just, can I just be like one of your hired servants? Like he's not, he's not expecting much. I'll take just kind of the crumbs that are left over. Go ahead and feed everybody that's important and the servants are going to do all the feeding and then after that, we'll get the leftovers. That's completely fine. But you remember what happens in Luke 15. The father sees the son in the distance and he runs out to him. Rather than waiting for him to come, he runs to him. God embraces us with mercy and forgiveness, hear me, at the first sign of repentance. Repentance is a process that every believer begins and we are going to continue it until the day that we die. None of us in here have perfect repentance. Our repentance towards God is best, at best is small compared to what it should be. 
But thank God, He forgives when our repentance begins, not when it's complete. How many of you, don't raise your hand, just acknowledge maybe in your heart, how many of you have repented of a sin and you've gone back to it? God, I want to stop whatever it is. And you go back to it. So your repentance, God forgives at the moment repentance begins. Not when it's complete, because your repentance actually isn't complete. You're going to spend the rest of your life struggling in in, in the grind of the sin, of this sanctification process, to where ultimately then we're going to be with Christ and we're going to be like Him. So without the fact that God, He forgives us at the beginning of repentance, none of us would be forgiven if if that wasn't true. But friends, remember this. There is no forgiveness without repentance. So to people who have rejected Him, here's what Jesus said in John 8. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek Me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. So you, can, you, don't just, you don't just get to follow me because of the fringe benefits and because all the miracles that I do. No, no, no. There's going to have to be a repentance. God, I need you as my Savior. I am turning from my sin. I'm turning from the way that I was going. I was on the broad way to destruction. I'm repenting of that. I'm turning from that, and I turn to Christ for salvation. So if you have that as your testimony, then you are a believer according to the Word of God. But apart from that turning to Christ from your sin, that doesn't say you've got to turn into perfection. No, you're turning from that broad way that leads to destruction to Christ, then we're a believer. Apart from that, there is no forgiveness. So forgiveness starts at repentance. The moment it starts. But it's not given without repentance. The the Bible never suggests anywhere that whatever we do, it will all be all right in the end. So many people just believe that. There's no forgiveness without repentance. Forgiveness is a precious gift. It should always be placed by the one who forgives directly into the hand of the one who needs to be forgiven. I need you to listen to me for the next five minutes carefully. I've rewritten this so many times. It should be released where it will be received. But it should not be allowed to fall to the ground. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7.16, Jesus says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. This is important when it comes to the question, how can I forgive someone who has never asked for forgiveness? Or maybe they don't even know what they've done. They don't recognize the damage that they've done. They have taken no responsibility. Do you maybe know someone in your life that's harmed you, maybe said something, done something to you, and they've never apologized? How are you supposed to forgive that person? 
You listening? God does not forgive unrepentant non-believers. He doesn't forgive unrepentant sinners. He loves them. And that is what he calls us to do. Love your enemies, is what Jesus says. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those that use you. Pray for those that are just harmful, in a sense, unto you. Why does he say that? And this is what, what God has just shown me. Because that is, what, that, that is the way God loves sinners. God does not tell you, and God does not tell me, to forgive your enemies. He says, love them. He says, pray for them. Because that's what God himself does. He laid down his life for us while we were yet sinners. You may say, hey, Ryan, this is just semantics. You're kind of just, you're just arguing about terms. No, I think I've learned this week, I'm trying to protect the sacred truth that there is forgiveness. When there's forgiveness, there is a relationship that is restored. That's why I'm saying that it goes much further than mercy. Mercy is extremely broad. You to, to love and to pray, to have compassion and to pray for your enemies, to those that have, that, that have harmed you or those that have hurt you. Yes, that, that's what mercy is. We are commanded to do that. But forgiveness, it goes much further because forgiveness restores a relationship. You often hear Christians say, and I've no doubt said this in some way, regarding forgiving the unrepentant person. We'll say something like this, you must do it for your own sake. So your life is not controlled by another person. Maybe you've heard something like that, or you've heard illustrations like this, which I know for a fact I've shared this over the last couple of years, of where when, when, when we are full of bitterness, which there's some truth to this still, but you know, if it's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And so we'll say, hey, you just gotta, you just gotta let it go. You've gotta just forgive that person. That's what we've heard. I'm telling you, it's just like, hear me for the next couple minutes. But asking you to forgive that unrepentant person, they're asking you to do something that God himself never does. And in the process, they're changing the nature of what repentance is. God forgives, all, God's forgiveness always affects a restored relationship. So now if you're getting way ahead of me, don't, you're just trying to think, well, so Ryan, you're saying I don't ever, I don't need to forgive anybody if they've never said I'm sorry. Don't get there yet. Forgiveness involves the reconciliation of two people. The one who repents, the one who says I'm sorry, and then of course the one who forgives. Two people. I'm sorry. Here is the forgiveness. So God... <laughs> He forgives at the first sign of repentance. And where forgiveness and repentance meet a restored relationship. So in Christ, we have a restored relationship with the Father. Are you perfect now? You still sinning? We still grieve in the Holy Spirit? Are we still, right? But we're restored because of our Trust in Christ of our repentance. So he does not say to forgive your enemies. He says to us, love your enemies. 
Be merciful to your enemies. Have compassion towards that enemy. And that compassion might even lead to acts of love and acts of service towards that person. But it's not forgiveness quite yet. Because remember, forgiveness takes two people. Let's move on with the, 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 the how and the when. So God forgives when wrong has been done, when repentance begins, because atonement has been made. So there is a sense in which God should be the only one in the universe who cannot forgive. For us who are sinners, it's totally responsible for us to be, or it's reasonable to be indulgent to someone that sins against us. Why? Because we sin also. It kind of it makes sense to maybe be lenient, to maybe be forgiving towards others' wrongs because we know that we're not any different. Oh, it might not be to the same exact degree, but we know that we sin against one another. We know that we're not perfect. We know that we're going to say something that we shouldn't say. We know that we're going to do something that we shouldn't do. We know that we're going to look at something that we shouldn't look at. And so when someone does that to us, we're going to be a little bit more lenient. Why? Because we do it too. God doesn't. He's sinless. We just sang about it. Holy, holy. God is, God is perfect. He sees sin in all of its ugliness as it should be seen. God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all, the Word tells us. Every time someone says, I know God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself. I want to ask, well, are you saying that it's easier for God to forgive you than it is easier for you to forgive yourself? Listen to what James Denny says in his book, The Way Everlasting. If there should turn out, after all, to be such a thing as divine forgiveness of sins, we may be sure it will be such a forgiveness as carries the divine condemnation and destruction of sin at the heart of it. So here's what Denny's saying. If there's going to be true forgiveness for, for the nastiness of sin, then you are also going to have to couple that with divine condemnation. Sin brings on destruction, brings on condemnation. And that is precisely what we find at the cross. Precisely. God's forgiveness flows from the destruction and the condemnation of sin in the atoning death of His Son, Jesus Christ. As He's bearing your sin, as He's bearing my sin in His body on the tree, the Bible says. Whenever there is an injury, there will always be something in the human spirit that cries out, well, what about the justice? Well, the Christian answer is that justice has been poured out on Christ. So this avenue for forgiveness is in Christ. It's in His atoning work. It's where wrong has been done Repentance has begun, hear me, because of the atonement, you can extend it. We've wronged God, and we have come before Him. God, I am on the broad way to destruction, 
but I'm coming to you. I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior instantaneously because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, forgiven. And we stand forgiven. We stand in that record before Jesus Christ. So the cross makes forgiveness possible. God forgives when the wrong's been done, when repentance begins, because atonement has been made. Now that leads us to our central question. How can I get to that? How can I get to forgiveness? If that's, if that's kind of what it is and, that's, and that, 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 that's the timing of it, how do I get there? Well, imagine standing next to a hurdle on a racetrack. I should have thrown a picture up there. But you know those that do the hurdles, right, at the Olympics? Imagine standing right next to that and, you're, and you're, you're, you're right up against that hurdle. You can't just jump over that hurdle. You gotta kinda run up to it. You gotta get a little bit of momentum. So this to me has been one of the most important things that I've been reminded of lately about the Christian life. And it's at the heart of this series. All progress in the Christian life is made by momentum of our spiritual health. See, what Satan's going to try to do is he's going to try to get you to focus on that one thing, on that one sin, on that one problem, that one issue. To, to, you're you're going to want to overcome that. So how do I, how do I, how do I conquer my fear? How do, I, how do I conquer my lust? How do I conquer my bitterness towards that individual that I simply cannot forgive? How can, I, how can I prevail over this one thing? There you are. You're standing right next to the hurdle trying to conquer your one thing. When this whole series is teaching, you can't start there. So I know some of you, you've been waiting for this, for this beatitude. You've been waiting for this mercy and this forgiveness. Why? Because you so desperately want to forgive. You can't start here. At just forgiving them. You got to go back to the beginning where you see your need for your own forgiveness. Now you say, Ryan, how in the world is this relevant? It's because the very beginning of this is seeing my own need for forgiveness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Start mourning over your own sins, and you will be on the way to forgiving the sins of others. As I began to reflect on what the Bible says about kind of getting to the place where you can forgive, I realized that everything we need to know it's kind of brought before us in Ephesians 4. Will you turn there? Ephesians 4. The forgiveness in Ephesians 4 kind of starts in verse 32. Look at verse number 32 real quick. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And that's kind of the, yeah, this is, this is where, but, but that's like you're standing right up against it. We gotta, we gotta kind of go, we gotta go back a little bit. 
And that's what I want to, uh, that's what I want us to do. Forgiveness, verse 32, how you get there starts in verse 30. So let me, don't get nervous because I've been preaching a long time already. It'll go quick, I think. Let me give you six strides, taking the theme of running here, towards forgiveness. First one, some of you, you ought to maybe write this down. Remember that the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's where you start. Remember that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Look at verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. See, progress towards forgiveness begins here. The Spirit of God lives in you. How can I, Ryan? The Spirit of God lives in you. You may be experiencing hurt and wounds that are incredibly hard to forgive. Hurts that I might not even fully understand, might not even know about. And maybe can't fully comprehend and, and, and understand them because I myself have not experienced them. But, the, but, but they're real for you. They're hurts and, and they're deep. So here's what you need to know. No one has had to forgive more than God has had to. Nobody. Think about how much God has had to forgive in just your life. The longer we live, that list gets longer, right? But think about just what he has had to forgive in your life. I'll say this, some of us, and let's just go with us. Man, we got some whoppers in our past. How many of you are hungry for Burger King now that I mentioned whoppers? <laughs> but we got some whoppers. Man, we got some things that we look back there and we're like, I don't want anybody to know that. And if you have turned from your sin to Christ, you've been forgiven of it. God has had to forgive much. Each of these sins, they played in part in the awful suffering of God's Son. That's not true. This is true not only of your own sins, but of every sin of every believer who has ever lived. And we know that He really died for the sins of all of humanity, but those that reject Him, that forgiveness doesn't get applied. They're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire, separated from God. So think about how much has, that God has had to forgive, and He has done it. And His Spirit lives in you. So rather than this message being some form of a backpack, hey, let's start off with, all right, this is possible. Whatever your situation is, whatever the hurt is, whatever it is that, that, that you know that you've been rattling around in your mind, whatever that is, this is possible. Why? Because you're going to take that first stride of realizing the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. And God has forgiven all of this and His Spirit lives within me. Second stride, do not dwell on the in injury. It's a hard one. Realize the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And don't, don't dwell on the injury. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Bitterness, wrath, and anger. You know what they all come from? Nursing a grievance. Someone's wronged you and you keep in mind, in your mind, going over it and over it. And over and over. We all know what I'm talking about here. 
I remember one, it was a couple years ago, just what was done unto me, what was said unto me, the lies that were said, it was unbelievable. And some of the leadership in here totally know what, I'm, what, what, what a time of my life that it ate me up for months. You want to know why? Because I was constantly reliving the conversation over and over and over again. I mean, even some of my responses, I, I remember pulling some of the guys in and I was like, hey, fellas, this is every single thing that was said. Here's the witness. Here's everything that I said. Man, if you need me to resign, I'm willing to resign. I was just, I just humbled about it. Like, you, you, you let me know. And I mean, I just played it over and over and over again. You know what, you know what happened? I got bitter. I got angry. We've all experienced this. You keep thinking about it. How wrong it was. How hurtful it was. But every time you think about it, you're stoking the fire within your own soul of anger and bitterness. Bitterness and anger are fires that need to be fed. This is going to sound like rocket science. Just kidding. Stop feeding it. Stop feeding it. So the, these, these are the strides to verse 32. Remember the Holy Spirit of God. God's forgiven much. His Spirit lives within us. Stop dwelling so much on the injury. Let the Holy Spirit set your mind on other things, like finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, just, pure, lovely, good, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Think on these things. You have the power to do this if you are a Christian because the Spirit of God lives within you. Let me give you the third one here. Do not fight and quarrel. Don't fight and quarrel. Holy Spirit lives within us. We're not, through His power, we're not going to dwell on the injury. And we're not going to fight and quarrel. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put, away with you, be put away from you with all malice. When a relationship is in trouble, fighting and quarreling over who did what or who said what can make it worse. Quarreling, it, it stokes the fire of bitterness and anger. It's, it's putting you further from forgiveness. As you're trying to cultivate that in your life, if you're trying to find out who's to blame, all of that, and you're fighting over it, put clamor and slander away from you. That's what, what words means there. Do not sit at the breakfast table or go around talking to other people about what the person has done. Just try to, try to let it die about how terrible the person is or isn't or, or, who he, or who she is. Put away all malice. Malice is the desire that the person who hurt you will receive what you got. And so it's like all of this bent up bitterness and anger, I want them now to experience what I am going through. There are certain things that make forgiveness impossible. And if you keep doing them, you will not be able to forgive. Verse 31 is filled with those. If we just constantly keep thinking about it, instead, God, give me Philippians 4.8. Help me to think on different things. Holy Spirit's power within you. Let me give you the fourth step. We doing okay? All right. Have compassion on the one who has hurt you. It's tough. Have compassion on the one who's hurt you. Verse 32. And just verse 31. Don't do this, but instead 
Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. This is especially important with a person who has wronged you and still has not acknowledged it. They might not even have an idea that he or she has done it. Maybe they're completely unrepentant. They've not taken ownership. They have no sense of responsibility. They're they're blind to what they're doing and to the pain that they're causing you. Well, if this person really is blind to that, then we ought to have pity on them. None of us would see a man or a woman that's blind and kind of using a stick or using a cane. None of us would go next to them and kick that away from them. And so we need to have compassion. Jesus became the merciful, tender-hearted, compassionate high priest. He is. That we've been learning about at 10 o'clock. He did that through suffering. Hebrews 2.17 Whereof in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. That means suffering can produce hardness of heart, but it also can produce a great tenderness. It's the great paradox. You all know it. You know Christians that go through similar things, and one responds one way, and one responds the other way. Suffering can do one of two things. It can bring tenderness to our hearts, or it can bring a cold callousness. And we have a Savior in Jesus Christ that understands temptation, understands harshness, understands what it's like to live in this world with broken people and broken situations that come His way. And He comes out compassionate, merciful, and loving. So if you've experienced great pain through sins of another person... If something can hurt this much, then use your pain as fuel for compassion. Let's go to number five. Travis, I'm going to skip ahead of you here. Realize that you will need the forgiveness of others. Begin to show compassion. That's kind of how the the, the text is moving through here. We're just going line by line, verse by verse. Verse 32 says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, notice this, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Forgiving one another. Notice what God does not tell us to do. God does not tell us here that we should forgive someone who has hurt us. He says that we should forgive one another. What does that tell us? there will be things that you need to be forgiven of. You're going to need to forgive others, and then there's going to be times when you also need to be forgiven because of what we do unto each other. Here is something that you will find to be true. It's impossible to say from the heart, Lord, have mercy on me, and at the same time refuse mercy to another person in your heart. It's impossible to do. To have a genuine heart. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And then be like, but have no mercy on that one. It's impossible. Realizing your own need of continuing forgiveness will help you to take another stride towards forgiving. Let's keep moving. Number six here. Savor your forgiveness in Christ. Verse 32 again. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. See, God's forgiveness is both the model of our forgiving and it's also the motive for our forgiving. The Apostle Brawl draws our attention to the way in which we've been forgiven by God. I want you to think about it for a moment. Think about your forgiveness that you have in Him. I want you to, I want you to just kind of turn this over in your mind. God has forgiven me in Christ. He did it gladly. He did it freely. He did it fully. This forgiveness, it was undeserved. It's irreversible and it's eternal. God has given me in love and mercy out of an agony of heart shrouded in the darkness of Calvary and I will never fully understand the pain that I caused Jesus Christ. In all of eternity, I'm not going to fully understand that. But you've been forgiven in Christ. Savor it. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Let this priceless gift of God that you have received move your heart to worship, to wonder, to love, and to praise. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Six strides. If you will begin to take those six strides, you know what you will find? You will find that you are ready to take the seventh. And the seventh is forgiveness. You'll be ready. Your heart will be so ready when that person comes and says, I am sorry for whatever it was, you will then begin to extend the forgiveness. Because forgiveness takes two. It takes the offender and it takes the one that is going to forgive. So you're ready. Take the strides. And then when he or she or whatever the situation is, when they come and they're ready, you can forgive. And you say, hey, Ryan, what if they never come? You'll be okay because you're ready. You're not harboring that bitterness. I'm no longer going to stand before you and teach you that you need to forgive that person before they ever come to you. I don't think that's biblical. But I think you need to be ready. At every moment of any day, you take these strides. You're not going to let the bitterness, you're not going to let just kind of this fighting continue to go on. Your heart is going to be completely ready. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You're not going to continue to dwell on it. And you're going to get to the point ultimately where you're saying, I am so forgiven in Jesus Christ that whenever that person comes, and they may never come, but you will not have drank poison. That illustration still applies waiting for that person to die. Because inside, you'll be healthy. Inside, you will be completely ready. This is how Christ is towards you today. He's ready. He's ready. He's kind. He's tenderhearted. He's compassion on you. His nail-pierced hands, they're, they're stretched out to you today. Whatever you see that needs to be forgiven, He's ready to forgive as you come to Him. And if you believe that's true, why would we not come to him? So let's right now come to the Lord. Take these situations that I don't fully understand, but you got a Savior that does. Take these to him. Take the strides. The Holy Spirit of God that helped him forgive you lives inside of you if you're a believer.
and begin to take the strides so you're ready to forgive when the time comes. That's biblical reconciliation. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.